0: Hello, John Schuler.
1: Hello, Branagore. It's Hello, a beautiful Brannagore. morning.
0: It's a beautiful morning, isn't it? It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a beautiful morning. You're supposed to do the chorus. The dun, dun, dun. I don't know that whole song. Yeah, yeah. No. Dude, I it's know like a part. 19... I don't know when that song came out. The 80s, maybe? I remember... Really? Yeah, when I was a kid, I was always playing on the radio. It's a beautiful morning. It was a good song. Great song. Nope. No. Maybe I mean, the best I, song.
1: I, I know the chorus, but that's all I know.
0: Well, I don't know who sang it, but it was a good song. I mean, I'm, I, I'm on my computer. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Dude, yesterday we wrapped up the 1.5 day fundamentals workshop from Concrete Design School. It went as good as a workshop could go, it was, it was just great on all levels. The attendees were amazing. We had a couple of alumni in the class that had been to a hero's quest, but wanted to, you know, they got all that advanced information, but even they come and get the basic building block information as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it that's was awesome. awesome. And um, everybody was engaging and interactive and we made pieces. We actually templated pieces for my studio. So it was, you know, a real world scenario where we actually made real templates and then made the molds and cast the concrete, cured the concrete, finished the concrete it was just a lot of fun. It was a good time. And we did it in a day and a half. You know, there was, there was um, some people had opinions, you know, in some other training um, groups that you can't teach fundamentals in a day and a half. It takes five days. And I think my response to that would be, I
1: think that depends on your experience and how long you've been doing it.
0: Exactly. It might take them five yeah. days. It took me a day and a half. And we nailed it at a day and a half. We yeah. We covered everything we sought to cover and more. We had time set aside to answer questions, to show photos, to, um, to go, you know, people, oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? And, and we'd go through it all. It was just a great time, phenomenal time. So super excited about it. We have another one coming up February 10th and 11th. You can go to school.com if you want to sign up for that, but it was just a lot of fun. No,
1: well, that's awesome. And, you know, just to add to that, if I ever heard that, which I have not, I have not heard it. You know, it should be three days instead of five or or whatever that you can't do it in one. I personally haven't heard that. But what I would say, if, if that was a debate anywhere out there with anybody, is that I, I don't see why you couldn't do it. And if it did get strung out for whatever reason, maybe find it, you know, want to add more days. But if it got strung out, when people come for fundamentals, fundamentals are pretty quick and they're usually, you know, pretty simple. It's the foundations, you know, it's yeah. the it's the building block. So, you know, templating, um, how to mix your concrete, how you know how to, tools, how to use you the tools, know, yeah, how to batch tools, concrete, how know, do you factor um,
0: how much mixing right, I mean, something yeah.
1: simple, and I keep going back to it. We've talked in the past, sorry, is how quickly you got me lined out on the track saw.
0: Yeah. We Even went to that. No, I bought a
1: track saw, I don't use a track saw. Yeah. And 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 so it only took a minute. And so fundamentals is really, you know, very simple and very easy. It shouldn't be much more than a day and a half to two days. And sorry, I could go off on this. And I truly believe regardless of where a person thinks their experience level lands, it's so easy for a person who's been doing it for a long time to ignore the fundamentals. So having going back and refreshing on anything again from you know, steps in mixing your concrete to steps in curing your concrete and, you know, what all of this means versus some of that bad habits, I think a lot of us can develop. Uh, Fundamentals is, and it doesn't have to be, (laughs) it's, it's, they're pretty simple and go pretty quick.
0: I agree. And, you know, one of the feedback I got from the attendees, which was really good, was that it was so good to come into a professional shop and see how it's set up and you know I was thinking about that because there's demo days the distributors or man- manufacturers of materials will do demo days and I'll have people come sure. in where they'll show how to use the materials and those are cool but the downside of that is you're going into a warehouse and you know they just have pallets and mix sitting around and they're mixing up some stuff important but you're missing the entire experience and that entire added benefit of seeing a real working professional shop laid out well that's clean that is, you know, 20 years of trial and error, you know, over the 20 years, there's been many iterations of how my shop's laid out and where I'm at today is different than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 20 years ago is a hot mess. You know, and I've mm-hmm. just been progressively sharpening that sword and getting it better and better and better. And so that was, that was feedback I received. It was people are really excited to come to a shop. Another part of that, John is, you know, the concrete Design School. I just want to touch on quickly, is the quality of the experience, quality. Yeah. So for us, the quality of information is paramount. The um, Everything that we teach are, are things that we use in our daily practice for the last 20 years of being professional concrete artisans that started our businesses and built them up. This is what we do. And another part of that is the quality of the space. So somebody comes to a class, and I've done classes. I did a class many years ago at a distributor's place, and it was horrible. It was cold. It was dirty. It was dingy. We are sitting in folding chairs. (laughs) And the quality of experience was bad, you know. And it was unfortunate because it was a, a concrete design school class that we did at this other location. That just really kind of reinforced the idea in my mind that people are coming, they're paying good money, and they need to have a good experience. So when they come to our shop, it's clean, it's bright, it's comfortable, you know, it's warm in the winter, it's cool in the summertime, and it's reflective of what a professional concrete artisan space should be. And um, so the quality of, of that is important as well to, to us. So when somebody comes to this, they have a great experience. Right. So anyways, I just want to hit on that real quick because well, that's quality, important to me.
1: Quality is in our core values all the way, whether we're yeah. talking concrete and the whole nine yards, you know. So having that experience is kind of an extension of, your, of the core values.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, if and somebody, that's somebody, I see it anyway. Yeah. If somebody feels like they made the ultimate mistake and went to a training class that just didn't deliver on what they expected for whatever that was. I just want to reiterate, we've talked about this before, but I just want to reiterate, you're always welcome at a concrete design school workshop. We'd love to have you. So, yeah. you know, if you had a and bad experience, of
1: experience, yeah, regardless of, of persons, you know, people are always welcome. And I think, and I know I keep circling back to this, but I, I think the idea, the singular idea of bringing fundamentals really into the light will help from the absolute newbie to a person who, let's let's call them the DIY, that just wants to make their own vanity but really wants to make something nice, all the way to, again, let's say something like, like me, using myself as an example, blah, 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 years of experience. Well, you know, sometimes going back and a nice refresher on fundamentals can be so helpful um, to to break out of your bad habits and get back in line and make quality product.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, where I was going to go was, you know, maybe you went to another class and you had a bad experience. Don't let that shape your perspective of what training is supposed to be because not all training is like that. So I just want to, you know say to people because we've had people in our classes had gone someplace else and had a bad experience and this is different. So, you know, I I encourage you to, to register, but yeah, the fundamentals, John, I'm excited about it. It's something that we overlooked for a lot of years. We were just focused on the advanced. We're focused on fabric forming on upright casting on dusty creed on all Mm -hmm. these different things. We're focused on the advanced and we were completely, it was an oversight on our part. We were completely overlooking the fundamentals and yeah. unfortunately, a lot of people went to bad training and got off on the wrong foot and spent many years doing things the wrong way until they landed in our class. And they're like, oh, I, <laughs> or that's just not, gleaned bad information. Well, but they would say, that's not what I was told. Source. We're like, what? Yeah. What did they tell you? Oh, ah, yeah. no, 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 no. Do not do it that way. But it, it, it kept being uh, just reinforced that Man, we should really catch people yeah. early on in their journey and show them the right way to do things.
1: Right. Well, and that's part of it. As you very well know, we've talked to this how many times over the years we focused on the advanced because, and this is maybe my own arrogance now talking, I thought so many of the fundamentals were, I don't know, easy. Like, well, who doesn't get that? And, but it's, it becomes clearer and clearer as we come along that, and I keep going back to some very advanced people and you read uh, you know some of the comments they make or you talk to them in a phone call and then you realize that like oh wow no you you've forgotten what concrete 101 is and so let's come back to the fundamentals and some of the problems they may be having or difficulties in their own shop is because some of the early foundation blocks of the fundamentals have been Missed, forgotten, or just plain never learned. Or just
0: learned from somebody that didn't know what they were doing.
1: Oh, yeah, learned it appropriately. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. just got bad
0: information. You know, Bad information in, bad information out. Mm-hmm. And so if you yeah. took a class with you know somebody that doesn't do this for a living and they gave you information they read in a book that was written 50 years ago, mm-hmm. yeah, right. you're you're going to yeah. have a rough time of it. And so then when you land here and you're like, well, I didn't know you could do it that way. Well, That's how we do it. Right. And that's what we do on every client project. This is the way. And so that blows sure. our mind. So I think it's important that we... Yeah,
1: or, uh, you know, similar. We've seen in, back into my chemistry days is you read articles written by somebody who, let's say, you know, never worked with the antibiotics or never worked with the medications and this and that. And they they were maybe well known for writing the article and then when the article was challenged, either by peer review or other, it just fell apart miserably. Yeah. And, you know, and that can happen in any industry. I know it's happened in ours a lot. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I'm really, really excited to bring fundamentals on board. So I think same, it's great.
0: Same. So February 10th and 11th, we've had registrations. It's 100% on. We'd love to have you. So... Please check it out, Concrete Design School. Next thing, John, is something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is... This
1: one I'm excited about, too.
0: Yeah. Don't steal my thunder, John. Don't steal my thunder. Okay. Here we go. What is it? What is it? Oh, my God. What is
1: it? Get it out before I say it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the, the philanthropic aspect of our industry is important to me, and it's been important to me for a long time. I've done fundraisers over the years. For concrete artisans like Dusty when he broke his heels, we came together as a community and raised funds. When Brandon Browning's shop was hit by a tornado, we came together. You mm-hmm. know, I've also done only fundraisers.
1: Caleb Lawson, yeah, Caleb, yeah.
0: yep. I've also done fundraisers for um, for organizations I feel strongly about, like St. Jude's and other organizations. So over the years, I've done things where we've raised funds for those. So, philanthropic's been important to me, and it's important to you as well. And we've discussed this. When we started Kodiak and really got it going, you and I were talking about we really want to do some kind of community focused philanthropic aspect of Kodiak. Right. We've been kind of toying different yeah. ideas. And so, I think I've been toying different ideas for a name. And the name that I'm coming up with, I like acronyms. You like acronyms? ECC, UHPC, yep. GFRC, OPP. Yep. You know me. You know, So I like acronyms, and CCC I like, and I'm thinking Craft Concrete Cures is a good name for a loose-knit organization of people that come together to help our fellow artisans in a time of need.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited about it, man.
0: Yeah, so for me, it's like a philanthropic, loose-knit organization, spearheaded by Kodiak Pro, but where we work together with the community when somebody is is having a hard time, whether that is – financial, whether that is health, whether that is environmental, like their their shop was hit by a tornado. Whatever it is, we, we can come together as a community. We can kind of be the organizational force behind it, but we can come together as a community to either raise funds, donate materials, donate uh, training, whatever we can right. do to help these people get further along um, in their journey and help them in their journey. And uh, so yeah. craft... Craft concrete cures. Craft
1: concrete cures. Yeah. Yeah. CCC. Yeah. I love the whole craft concrete. Craft concrete. Yeah. yeah. Craft concrete cures. That's cool, I like man. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah.
0: registered the domain name concretecures.org. Concretecures.org will be the domain for it. But if you're interested in being a part of this, you're interested in joining forces in a philanthropic effort to help your fellow artisans, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the team. And if yep. you're somebody that's maybe struggling right now, maybe there's something going on in your life. Unfortunately, as much as we think we're, we know everything going on in the industry, we don't. And so if there's yeah. something going on and you need some help, reach out to us and we'll see what we can do to help you and right. to put together some, some effort to, um, to help in that situation.
1: Yeah. And I'll try to reach out to even, I mean, we just talked about materials and training and, you know, there's so many things that I think could be very helpful to people because, you know, I know for us personally, we can only raise so many funds. So I'll I'll try reaching out to various vendors and, and organizations and, you know, see what we can put together. Cause there's a, there's a lot of thing that craft concrete cures, craft concrete could, could help people, I think. And and I'm, dude, I hope everybody else could get excited about it. I think it would be cool. I know a lot of people have talked about similar things. So, Meaning, you know, a way of coming together and, and helping community. And I'm going to reach out to the, some of those people, too, and see what efforts can be made. And They spoke about it, but, you know, maybe in their life at the time, it, it just didn't quite come together. So, yeah, I'm hoping uh, us spearheading something like this can get it off the ground. And I look forward to helping a community as much as we can.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, i I've done things. On my own, and there's only so much I can do, but if we can get a group together, if we can get a collective together, if we can come together as a community, and it's not just me, but it's me, and you, and them, and that guy, and this person, and we all come together It's a force multiplier, and think of all the good we could do. So, yeah, I'm excited about it.
1: Craft, concrete, cures. Craft,
0: concrete. Craft, concrete, cures. Yeah. So, there's that. Craft, concrete. Yeah, yeah. Sounds awesome. Okay. So, that's all the news that I have. You want to talk about what we're going to talk about today, John Schuler? A how uh, how-to? Yeah. A how-to. Yes, yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, this is actually one uh, you and I have spoken about that I struggle with, uh, yeah. mostly because of the materials I've been using. So yeah, uh, no, this is a great one.
0: Vocabulary, is that what you struggle with?
1: Yeah. Etc. etc. Cetera, et <laughs> my blah blah blah. <laughs>
0: hmm. My ear pods. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes. Yes, John. This is something that you and I were discussing because you were asking, what do I use? And this is templating. How Mm -hmm. to template. And this was a a big aspect of our fundamentals workshop was templating because templating is a very important uh, skill to have if you're going to be making artisan craft concrete for customers and you need to go into a space, you know, walls are never square. Cabinets are never set perfectly to the walls. There's always these situations where you need to make an on-site template. Maybe it's a fireplace around. Um, I've made templates for all kinds of things over the years. Huge, lo- large format tiles that need to fit a room, but the room's not square. So you need to make a template of the room to make the tiles. There's been a lot of different situations where I need to make a template. And when I first started... The template material I used to use, which turns out you you currently use, was luon, otherwise known as door skin. It's very thin plywood and yep. luon. So I'd rip it down on a table saw. I think Dusty still uses Luon. But I'd rip it down on a table saw into strips, say three inch wide strips by eight feet long. You take it to a job site, you know, you could you could maybe score it with a knife, but it's a little bit difficult to score and break cleanly. And hot glue it together, but you'd end up with these... Yeah, I used 10 snips. Yeah, 10 snips. But you'd end up with these big pieces that then you'd have to, in the field, determine where you want seams. You need to go ahead and divide it because you can't get this 20-foot template in the back of your truck. So you got to cut it up. And, you know, there's just, there's downsides to that material. But that's what I started when I first started my company 20 years ago. That's what I started with. But I had a friend, and this friend, his name is Sam Graham. Such a good name, Sam Cram, And yes, Sam right, and I, Sam dude, Sam is awesome, dude. I still love Sam. So Sam and I, I met Sam at a trade show in Phoenix when I was 24 years old, and I had a concrete booth, and he was 24 years old, years old, and he had a Corian booth right across from me, and he was doing really cool thermoformed Corian and just all this cool stuff with Corian, right? So the way I loved concrete was the way he loved Corian. And, um... I had two two employees. He had two employees. My shop is twelve hundred square feet. His shop is twelve hundred square feet. We were like, just the same person, just two different materials. And um, but he was further along in his journey as far as knowing how to do things. And so he had you know worked in other big companies making solid surface stuff and learned their their methods. And so we're talking about templating. He was like, oh dude, yeah, no, we use fluted polypropylene. And uh, I was like, what's that? He's like, well, it's like that plastic cardboard, you know, the cheap signs on the side of the road, like election signs or, you know, buy a mattress this weekend for half off, whatever it is. We buy houses yeah. cash. Those signs you see, that's a plastic cardboard material. And that is called fluted polypropylene. And the benefit of that is you can rip it in the strips. And so if you, let's say you go to a plastic supplier and that's where you're going to buy it from is a plastic supplier that sells to the sign industry or whatever you know, here in Wichita, it's Regal Plastics. Regal was also in Arizona. But um, when I was in Arkansas, it was Mr. Plastic. But there's no matter where you live, there's gonna be some kind of plastic supplier fairly close by. But you go to them and let's say you buy 10 sheets that are four foot by eight foot sheets. And then you Stack those 10 sheets and rip them through your table saw all at once in three inch wide strips. Well, the table saw blade will just slightly melt the edges together, which is a good thing because it creates these bundles of 10 strips or five strips or whatever you want. But it creates these bundles that are self adhered. So when you throw them in your truck, they stay together. And oh, that's
1: pretty cool. Oh, I didn't super that. cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, these are just like the little, little benefits. And then you get to the job site and you just flex it and they all pop apart. And so then when you're there, you don't need 10 snips or anything. You can just use a, uh, a carpet knife, but I'm going to go through the process, John. Of, but let me, let me let me finish telling you what the benefits are. Okay, so the benefits are you can easily cut it with a knife. You can easily scribe it to a wall with a knife. So let's say there's some crazy bump outs in a wall. You can push it up to it and just use your knife and and you know your hand to go along the wall to scribe the plastic to that shape and then push it in so it's nice and tight, which is easy to do with that material. Luan's a lot harder especially because it has grain to it and you're trying to like cut it and maybe you need a sander to try to do it. It's, it's a lot more difficult. This you can do with a knife. But the big, big, big benefit is when you do a big template, maybe it's a, a U-shaped kitchen and it's, you know, a total of 60 feet of lineal countertop. When you're done, you can just fold it up. You don't have to break it into pieces. You can just fold it up, take a spring clamp, clamp it together and put it in the back of your truck, go to your shop and then unfold it and it, it takes its shape again. So that's the biggest benefit in my opinion is the yep. flexibility. So, but anyways, okay. So let's go through the process of how to make a template. There is a process. Are you ready?
1: Yeah. Cause uh, I'm ready because I, <clears throat> I'm getting ready to throw a question at you because I haven't used this stuff. Uh, but my hot glue gun, I Your have the what? industrial hot glue gun. Oh, hot glue. Hot I think you said
0: hot glue. Yeah. I, I don't was. have a hot clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a hot clue here in a minute. I,
1: I got no hot clues. <laughs> no, so I have the industrial GE hot glue gun that, you know, has the extra hot glue. How does this stuff, in your opinion, how would that hold up to it? Does it, because it is a, I mean, would it, is it going to melt under no. that condition?
0: No, so I okay. use the... 3M Scotch Weld hot glue gun, which is an industrial hot glue gun that's super hot as well.
1: Yeah, okay. And it, yeah, I think that's what I have.
0: Yeah, the Scotch Weld is orange? Yeah. Yeah, so that's three, 3M. You said GE. I didn't know GE made hot glue guns.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, well
0: that no, 3M. 3M, okay, 3M. yeah. So I have the same gun. It has like little short glue sticks, like they're three yep. inches long. Yeah. So that's Scotch Weld. And Dude, I'm not a baby. I get the big sticks. Well, if you have the I true don't... industrial one, it has short glue sticks. That's by design. No, man. Yeah, man. The real ones have the big no, sticks. No, no. Big sticks. No, no. Yeah. I think you got the big stick for a different reason. But no, yeah, you. I know. The short I think sticks. I'm
1: compensating with my big glue You use your thumb.
0: Sticks. You put it in this little thing. You use your thumb to push, and um, they. And the Scotch Weld—they're short glue sticks. And there's a bunch of different varieties of glue sticks they sell for like different applications, woodworking, metal fabrication, plastic, all this different stuff. And 3M has like a chart that shows which glue stick to buy for your application. Mm. And um, and the glue sticks are super expensive, by the way. The glue gun yeah, itself is probably like 100 150 bucks, but the glue sticks are like three or four hundred bucks for a box. But the box lasts you for years, so. You know, I think the last time I bought a box was like four or five years ago, and I still have it. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. You you bite the bullet, you buy it, and then it's kind of a non-issue. That being said, while we're still talking about glue sticks before we start on this whole thing, or glue guns, is if you're doing a lot of templates on-site, which I don't do a whole, whole lot because I don't do a whole lot of countertops anymore, but I used to, but if you do a lot of countertops, a lot of the times when you're on a job site, the electricity is off at that job site, a lot of times on a construction site, the electricity is off. Yeah. And that's problematic if you have an electric hot glue gun. And so Sam, his guys had propane-powered hot glue guns. And the benefit of that is you don't need electricity, number one. And number two, they're instantaneous. Where a hot glue gun that I use, you got to plug it in and wait five minutes for it to really get going. Yeah. These, you pull a trigger and it's, and it's instantaneous, propane. So I always, I thought those were so cool. I never bought one. But if you're doing a lot, maybe you're a company that's doing a lot of templates, i want to buy a propane hot glue gun. Well, it's interesting you're saying
1: that, and I'm just kind of cutting to this chase. So here's number one, because see, I don't, I, I mean, I was listening to you about the, to the guns and I'm like, man, my, my guns were nearly 400 bucks.
0: Were they? Well, let me put oh, my yes. email. I'm going to just put in. I'll see if I can find when I bought mine. So I literally
1: paid. just went to Amazon. No, and go to Zoro. Th-
0: go to Zoro. Don't go to Amazon. Oh, Zorro. then it was
1: more. I just saw a Zoro one pop out for twelve hundred.
0: All right, let me see here. I just typed in three
1: M hot glue gun,
0: and pops up.
1: Yeah, Zoro right there. That's one of. That's the one I have. The one twenty volt. Blah blah blah. Six out. This says it
0: fourteen fifty five ninety nine. Here's my order I bought 3M Scotch Weld. I paid $134 on Amazon for mine, and this was in 2013. So I don't know. Let me see if this thing still even exists. Let me click on the link. Currently unavailable. Um, well, that could be.
1: Yeah, because the ones on Amazon now the 3M Hot Melt, la 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 la, quad rack converter, palm trigger, blah, 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 is $362. And those are the ones that get the extra hot. Yeah, hold on. And the other one, hold on, John. um, The three M, Polygun, you know, three hundred forty-five. I mean, those are the ones. Yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking it up, and the one I spent one hundred thirty-four on in two thousand thirteen, is now three hundred and sixty or three hundred eight dollars. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. But yeah, what you what you do want to look for is 3M Scotch Dash Weld Hot Melt Applicator, is what you're looking for. And let me let me look up. Let me just cut and paste this.
1: Yeah, now I want to look at one and see where the uh, propane ones, because that sounds a lot, a lot easier. Okay, so with here, you, the here's here's this. Difficulty with those? Go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. Here's this. So 3M. There's different ones. The one I have is the thumb press, and that one's the one I have. Is now six hundred eight dollars OSUs or RSUs? Crazy, it's, right? Yeah, nuts. But there's one that's the palm press one. The kind of you have the long glue stick, not the short glue stick, and that yep. one's one hundred and forty-one dollars at MSC Industrial Supply. I'm looking at it right now. I just did a Google search on 3M hot melt applicator. So there's a 3M hot melt applicator at MSC Industrial Supply, MSC Direct the msc part number i'll just give it to people if they want to look it up is 77326742 and this is $148 or i'm sorry $141.88 $141, $141. Hmm. so that's not bad that's reasonable 141 so anyways let's not go down this hot melt glue gun thing we will talk about this all day right okay are you ready though john i'm ready are you ready
1: i am okay let's do it pins and needles pins and needles <laughs>
0: I'm about to give you a hot clue. Okay, so let's just use the example of a kitchen because that's what you're going to be doing. And the the process is the same, whether it's a windowsill or it's a fireplace, hearth or whatever. So there's the depth. And a normal kitchen countertop is going to be anywhere between 20 to 22 inches, typically in depth. So from the wall to the front of the cabinet. So let's just say for this hypothetical example that is 22, okay? I'm going to cut a bunch of strips, a bunch of pieces of these strips at say 25 inches approximately, around there, around 25, 26, I don't care, 27, get crazy with it, it doesn't matter, but just cut a bunch of strips, okay? And those are gonna go front to back. And so on cabinets, there's gonna be a vertical wall where every cabinet meets the next cabinet, you know? So here's a cabinet that's four feet, here's a three foot, there's a two foot, but there's the two walls joined together. And that's where I'm going to put my strips. And I'm going to put a little dab of hot glue on the top of the cabinet, on the top of the wall, and stick that strip touching the wall and overhanging the front of the cabinet. So it's going to protrude out past the front of the cabinet into the room, however many inches you cut bigger. So if it's 26 and that's 22 cabinets, it's going to stick out four inches. Great. So I'm going to go around. Boom, 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 boom. On every one of those walls, I'm going to put two little dabs of glue and stick a strip all the way around the kitchen. And this goes pretty quick because you just Gang cut a bunch of strips and just pop, 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 pop. And then when you get to the end of the cabinet, then you're going to take a little bit more care and you're going to put a couple dabs of glue and you're going to stick it so it's right to the edge of that cabinet. You know, it's not hard to do. It takes you all three seconds, but you just boop and use your hand to make sure it's right to the edge. You do it on on the sides. Okay. the The next step is you're going to take long strips and you're just going to start on the back wall. And I set the strips against the back wall, then I kind of flip it forward so I can see exactly where I need to put the glue and just boom, boom, boom on every one of those front to back strips, those 26 inch strips that I cut, I put glue and I flip that strip over and hold it down. And I usually have a helper so we can all kind of hold it down and push it tight to the wall. And we just boom, hold it, hold it for five, 10 seconds for that glue to set. Good. And you just continue that around that whole back wall. You go around. So now that's done. The next step, and this is what I love about this whole process, is you determine how much of an overhang you want on the front of that cabinet and so you know hopefully they have the doors on site if they don't then you know the thickness of the door and you talk to the client how much overhang do you want i've done a lot of kitchens that have zero overhang they're just flush with the front of the door which is a very european look and i like it a lot so when it's a nice modern kitchen smooth doors and they have the countertop end flush with the cabinet doors that's a nice look. But a lot of times people want it to extend past an inch, you know, past the front of the doors. And that's what I did at my kitchen. So at that point, if they have the door, you measure out an inch past the door and make a tick mark on that piece that's protruding out to the room. So with a sharpie, I just make a tick mark. Boom. Next one, measure out. Boom. Next one, measure out. Boom. All the way around. That's going to be my overhang. And then I apply glue and stick a strip and just split that that tick mark I made with the Sharpie all the way around. You score the pieces that are sticking out too far, that overhang, we made it bigger on purpose. We score it, snap it back, cut it off so it's, so it's not protruding at all. Cut it back, pop, 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 pop. All this in a normal kitchen, all this, we're, we're not even at 10 minutes yet. We're done, right? And then the next step, which is very important, is to go around and make notes. And the notes are critical, because once you leave, you forget yeah. everything. There's no reference point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we so all do that. The important notes, and I've learned this over the years of what's most important. The important notes is, number one, you need to mark every place you want a round over. So when you're later on building your forms, you're going to apply silicone to create a round over. So that's going to be a nice eased edge. And you want that on the front edges where you're going to be leaning against the countertop. But you don't want that on the back because that's going to create a round over on the back and that's where dirt and water. and You want it to be tight to the wall being a round over on the front. So you need to indicate that on your template. For me, I just make an X. So I just go along anywhere we're gonna be doing caulk, I just put an X, about every foot, X, 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 all along those edges. And then where it's a wall, like let's say it's hitting a wall or it's hitting a vertical cabinet, a tall cabinet, I'll make a note, wall, 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 you know, all the way around. Great. The next things you need to, to note is the center line specifically of the sink cabinet, and that's pretty easy to do. If there's the doors already installed, you can just eyeball straight down the opening in the door and just make a perfect tick mark on your template of the center line of the doors. The center line of the doors are more important than the center line of the cabinet, meaning that sometimes there's a filler strip or whatever, but the alignment that people are gonna see visually when the countertops are on is the center line of the door. So you want the sink and the faucet to be centered on the center line of those cabinet doors more than you want it to be centered in the cabinet itself because not the the doors aren't always centered on the cabinet is what I'm trying to say. So the important reference point is the center line of the doors. So I'll just eyeball down the center of the doors and make a tick mark. I make a note, center line of cabinet and then John, I reach up underneath the template and I take the Sharpie and I trace the inside of that sink cabinet up on the underside of my template So the template's overhanging, you know, it's overhanging the side walls of the the cabinet. I reach up underneath and I trace it. And that has saved my butt so many times because when the client gives you the sink template later, there's been a lot of times that sink's not gonna fit. And so when I get that template, that cardboard template or paper template, and I unfold it, I match it up to the center line of that cabinet, and then I can see the actual size of the cabinet. There's been many, many, many times that it's, it's incompatible with that cabinet. And I'm glad I made that tracing So I would know because had I not, it would have been a problem when we showed up on the job site. So that's an important, that's a very, very important step that a lot of people miss when they make a template is tracing the the underside of the sink cabinet or tracing the sink cabinet on the underside of the template. And then you just go around and you you make any notes, dishwasher, and I'll mark the the width of the dishwasher and mark where that's at. Um, Any other important notes, uh, stove, uh, I'll mark where that's at. Um, So you just make all the notes you can. Then you write this side up in form or this side down in form, depending on which, which way your template is. If you're doing upright cast, then you'll, you'll write this side up. If you're doing upside down like I do, then you'd write this side down in form. So that way, you know, when you get back to your shop and you flip it over that that's the way it's supposed to be. Because the other thing you're going to do is when you get back to your shop, you're probably going to transfer the notes on the front to the back. And then once that happens, you're like, which side's which? I don't know. You know, <laughs> they both have notes on it. and I don't remember which way it went. So if you write this side down and form, then you know when you go to form it later to flip it over so that's down. So that's what I do. I also write the date. I write the client name. I write the color if they've chosen the color. So that's on the template. And uh, make any permanent notes. And then I fold it up and I take it with me. The other thing is, if you are going to need to to break it into pieces, so let's say you're doing a kitchen that needs to have the template or the, uh, the countertops broken into two or three pieces, make pertinent notes on the center line of cabinets and the edges of cabinets. Just... Make tick marks of, of what those are. Make a little note. Center line a cabinet, edge a cabinet. Center line a cabinet, edge a cabinet. Because later on, you don't have to make the determination at that moment. Later on, you get back to your shop, you can lay it out and then decide, I'm going to break it right here. Or I'm going to break it right here. But you need to have a reason, a visual reason for the the seam line. You don't want just have a seam in this weird location. It's not centered on the, the drawer pulls or not centered on the edge of a cabinet. So if you have purpose with your seams it looks great i've gone into kitchens where there is no purpose to the seam it's just in this arbitrary location and it looks out of place it draws your eyes to it 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 just looks sloppy and amateur so if you just make notes of center line of cabinet edge of cabinet center line of cabinet edge of cabinet you don't even need it yet but you'll need it down the road it's good to have that information on your template and then i take it back to my studio i unfold it we make a determination of okay now that we got it here we take measurements all right, well, you know, a a, lot, a big, a big um, constraint for me is I cast on four by eight melamine. So if it's an L-shaped kitchen and this direction is six feet and this direction is eight feet, well, it's not going to fit on a four by eight sheet of melamine. So I need to make a determination of where I'm going to break it at. So it's going to fit, this piece will fit on this four by eight, this piece will fit on this four by eight. And so once you make that determination, then I will uh, take some additional strips of fluted polypropylene I'll draw my seam line with Sharpie, and I'll just butt two pieces of polypropylene up to that seam line, hot glue it, and then cut my template right there. Yeah. I'll just cut through it. And then I have two, temp, two templates that now join together perfectly. I have one I can form part A, another I can form part B, and when they go together, it's a perfect fit on the job site. So that, John, is how I make a template. Any thoughts, or do you have anything you do differently?
1: No, that's better than me. Right now using the Luon tin snips, you never cut it just right, you know, so I'm always adjusting um, everything you just described. I mean, when I, we just finished a vanity, I guess a couple months ago backsplashes that went up the wall and we we're trying to get, I mean, these walls were all wonky, you know, it's it's an older home and lots of stuff that's been done to it over the years. So as I'm trying to scribe the wall, you know, with a, and I got my fest tool sander and I'm trying to sand the loo on and I'm trying to stick it up there. You know, all of this material, the fluid, this would have fluted, excuse me, polypropylene would have been so much easier, like ridiculously easier. Craft concrete cures. I'm really excited about that. I'm and I'm serious. About
0: that. I'm serious about it. anybody that wants to be a part of that. Please reach out and we can start working together because this, I do want this to be a community effort in a community organization where we come together as a community and yeah. i think a lot of people want to do things to help others but they just don't necessarily have the organizational um, network to do it so we want to facilitate that organizational network yeah. so that's what we want to help I hope with.
1: this pulls off yeah yeah excited yep all right buddy all right buddy as, all as always thank you very much and we'll talk to you later adios adios